Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with Life Coach Linda Armstrong. Today is Friday, September the 27th, 2019. It is 4 p.m. New York time. That would be 1 p.m. Los Angeles, 9 p.m. in London, 5 a.m. in Tokyo, 6 a.m. in Sydney, Australia. But wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And we're happy that we are three today because we have a special guest joining us today. And since Linda was the one who brought this special guest in, Linda, I'm turning it over to to you. You can introduce her and tell us what she's all about. All right. So this is my good friend, Janet Bishi. I met her through Christy Whitman's Law of Attraction Coaching Academy. So we've been, um, actually, I don't even know what I'm looking at anymore. My camera here. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> we've known each other for many years and uh you know janet's been janet's been a, a teacher and um, um coaching people through the academy new students coming up i'm pretty sure right janet you'll you'll fill me in on that but she's been working still working with that academy um i just graduated some years ago and we just kept in touch for such for you know a long time <laughs> but let me tell you about janet besides that janet's an end-of-life coach Um, She brings experience, knowledge, and practical ideas to families seeking guidance and comfort where anxieties, fear, frustration, damaged relationships, and poor communication skills have tainted the final days of of a dying person and their families. We're going to be talking about Janet's book. I'll show you that in a minute. Um, So um, Janet brings information, guidance, suggestions, and an ease to the ways in which you can allow peace to come in and healing and closure to those approaching death and to those, you know, who love them and care for them. So, so really with, in her book, yeah, let me show you. Yay. I have a signed there copy. It is. I'm sorry. I love you. Goodbye. Well, mine's signed. Dedicated. Ooh, yes. <laughs> so anyway, in her recent book, I'm sorry. I love you. Goodbye. Dr. Bishi includes antidotes and lessons that are helpful for those who are experiencing the impending loss of a loved one. I mean, this is really a tough time, right? So one such teaching is the concept of appreciation during a time when someone you care about is dying. It's an important paradox not often expressed, and you will find a a small book chock full of hope and compassion. And, you know, I have to say, because you know, I went through death of my sister not that long ago, and although she, her passing happened like really quick in a matter of like eight days from when she started getting sick to dying, even though she had cancer, right? But it's like it took her really quick at the end. But even without knowing what Janet was doing with all of this, I had, um, you know, we did an end of life, like we celebrated her life. There was no people wearing black and being miserable and quiet and tired, you know, like, at her wake, it was a big celebration. I had a medium there talking about um, spirit, you know, like how we never really die. And it, it, I could see people who would never, who aren't in the world that Janet and I are in with all of the energy work, because Janet's an energy healer too. Um, they were so open to all of this different way of looking at dying. And I just touched the surface of it. You know, it was a big celebration for us. So, It'd be great when to hear Janet and how she, um, or even how you came to all of this, Janet. Um, but it's really, really important because I know that at those times, a lot of people get closed in. They don't know what to do. You know, someone's dying and all they feel is their own pain and they don't know what to do for that person, not thinking how celebrating their life before they die ahead of time so that they can be a part of it, right? Is that what you're doing, Janet? Thank you. Yes, that's part of it. Hello, Walt. Hello, Linda. Hello, listeners. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Glad to be with you. Um, yes, that is that is part of what I do because I think the celebrations of life really need to be when the person being celebrated is there. I mean, think how wonderful it would be to have your friends, your neighbors, the people that you love expressing what you meant to them what they learned from you, what they appreciated about you, what they remember doing with you. And and just to be able to tell you goodbye, to tell you thank you, to say I love you, to do all of those things that bring us healing and closure. Because when someone dies and we're hurting, that hurt is represent of our it's representing our loss. 
you know, we, we miss them. We, we think of what our world is going to be like without them. When we can't hear them, we can't see them. Um, not everyone knows how to feel them or to connect with that spirit. So it is just an abrupt ending in many ways. And, and then it's our loss. You know, when we almost treat it like a possession. It's something that's no longer with us that we can't have access. You know, when, when my parent is gone and I want to call them and share some good news and they're not on the other end, you know, it's like, oh, they're not there. That's about me. That's, I don't get that opportunity. And, and so many times when we're looking at the loss of a friend, you know, it's the lunches, it's the laughter, it's the memories, it's the, the calls, it's doing things, whether they're supporting us or we're just sharing, you know, going fishing with them, whatever that might be, um, that's what we're grieving. That's what we're, we're mourning. That's what we're hurting probably more so than anything. One of the things with law of attraction is we ask that question, what if? And what if you could be with that person and their spirit for the 24-hour period after they leave their physical body? Think about what that might be like. Because we hear all of these, you know, what we learn, what we think we know, what other people have taught us. But bottom line, um, it's still in our mind of what we perceive that journey to be like. We've heard people talk about that end of life, um, the light, um, the possible having somebody we know physically come back and get us and journey with us, whether that's as a guide or or who knows. Um, You know, so we know tidbits, but to really have the opportunity to just think, what might it be like for them? You know, this, this person, let's say they're 80, 90 years old, and they just left this body that, you know, hurts wherever. Um, maybe they're not walking as well. Maybe they're not hearing as well. What <laughs> would you say? You know, they're not seeing as well. And all of a sudden, they're just relieved of all of that. And you think, what might that be like? And and when we're hurting, if we could just try to ask that question, what might they be going through right now? I, I think it changed our our whole conversation. It's interesting that you bring that up because uh, when my father passed in 2008, 11 years ago, uh, within two or three days of that, um, this is a story I've told before on the show, my sister, uh, who has some has developed some psychic ability, uh, received what she finally realized was a message from him on the other side. And my sister, being the precocious person that she really is, I love her dearly, first question out of her mouth was, what's it like on the other side? That was the first question she put out there. <laughs> yeah. And the, the answer she got back was festive, which when she told me the story was how I had my confirmation that it wasn't my sister making it up, that it was my dad. Because my sister, my sister was a, a theater major in school. She was, uh, she's, she's, I won't call her a drama queen, but she's very dramatic oriented. She would never use the word festive. She'd say amazing, fantastic, miraculous. She'd use these really big, you know, gigantic adjectives. Festive would be much too small for her. Whereas festive is what I would call a dad word. It fits my dad to a T. It's exactly the word he would pick. So when she relayed that word to me, that said, oh, that really is my dad on the other side. No, there's something about that knowing when you get those messages. And I think the other thing is if we know to watch and to listen, Mm -hmm. that we will see things, we will hear things, something unusual will happen. And we know it in our heart Mm -hmm. and in our mind, we know it was like, you get chills all the way through you because it was them. You, there's no question. It, it was very clear that was them. It's interesting you say the word chills, too, because I did experience sort of a, I don't know, a vibrational feeling. But for me, it wasn't chilly. It was warming. It was, it was like being filled up with warmth as soon as I heard that story. And from that point on, right through the memorial service, all the members of my family, we were just relaxed. We felt good because we all were convinced that we had heard from dad and he was fine. Yeah. And, and that and just erased wanted, all the pain. Yeah. 
That's what we want to know. It's the exactly. unknown yeah. that brings our fear and our anxiety and our worries and our stress and all of that. When we know, similar to before someone dies, um, and they may be going through some issues and we first come into their life, you know, what do you look for? You know, what are the things we should know? And I can throw out a couple of hints here because I'm also working as a doula um, on the end of life is, you know, when you first walk into somebody's home and say it's a friend that you haven't seen for a while or you haven't been in their house, we look for the acute issues. You know, what's going on that, that needs attention right now? There are rugs all over the floor and they're walking with a cane or a walker. There's um, somebody smoking and somebody has oxygen in the house. You know, that, that becomes a safety issue as well. So I call it the ASS. You look for the acute issues and you deal with them. You look for the safety issues. You know, what are the things that could cause them harm or somebody else? You know, what what things need to be taken care of right away? You know, are they overtaking their medications? Are they not taking them? Are they skipping them? And then finally, you look for the support. Who do they have that's coming in that's giving them some type of assistance or relief or just support in getting through their days? You know, so that's that's before the death issue, but it's still something that when we know what to look for, it, it makes it puts us a little more at ease and we know, okay, this is normal. You know, this this is a normal part of that end of life um process. And Linda, as you said, you know, it was relatively quick when your sister left. Um there's still that abruptness. And, and, you know, sometimes we get a chance to see death coming. She lets us know. <laughs> and whether we know about it or not, if we're over 50, we have seen it, we have felt it, we have considered it. And some people think like, you know, like they say sex won't get, talking about sex won't get you pregnant and talking about death will not kill you. Um, but we <laughs> definitely have a fear of talking about death. Yeah. Um, we we tend to hesitate. We, we It's almost as though we think, well, gee, if we say that, you know, something's going to happen to them and then it's going to be our fault and it doesn't work that way. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it, and if you ask somebody who's been around, let's just say a parent, um, we may not want to broach the subject with them. That in no way means they have not given it plenty of thought. When they're waking up during the night, when they're watching friends go before them, when they get signs and all of those things, changes in their medication, they know. They've thought about it. They've probably thought about it a lot, and they might not want to be able to bring up the conversation. So sometimes it's really a gift to be able to say, you know, what's, tell me what you're thinking, Mom. What What's going on? You know, you're getting a little older. We haven't really talked about death, but is it something you'd like to, you know, can I ask you a few questions? You know, are you comfortable with that? Um, are you concerned about it? Are you scared? Are you, you know, what do you think about different things? Or is there something that, that really comes down to for us? Is there something we need to heal and bring to closure? You know, what do we need to release? Um, and, and sometimes it's, it's a relationship that has really gone bad. And there are those. I have four different types of people, whether it's the person or the family. I've, I've done this little quadrant chart that I work from with emotions. And, and I have the one who I call the angry victim. This is somebody who's just really heavy. They've got low emotions or all, and they're very engaged. And whether it's the, the person himself, herself, the emotions are lower and there's just a lot of volatility there because they're engaged, not in a good way. There's a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stuff going on. But then to go to that other, uh, still down there in those heavy emotions and they're not engaged, I call that the permanently pissed off party of one because what happens there is there's a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. They're not talking. They're not visiting. They're not dealing with any of those issues that could bring them relief. Those opportunities are missed. And and that's just sad, you know, from my perspective. You know, obviously they have their reasons. 
And then I call the other ones kind of the happy neutralizers. They've got the lighter emotions. They're not engaged. So if they come, they're going to be the ones that they'll come visit. Hi, how are you here? I brought you cookies. Goodbye. <laughs> you know, they're, they're very quick to not get into any, any real issues. They don't want to hang around too long. They don't want to know about it. And then I have what I call the difference makers. They're the ones that have that light energy. They're up there and they're very engaged. They're the ones that are making memories, bringing closure, having the conversations, doing the celebrations of life, and really taking advantage of those opportunities that, that the end of life knowledge brings us. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's, that's a lot of my fun. <laughs> you, you covered a lot in, in one paragraph or three paragraphs or whatever that was. So I'm curious, Janet, because um, I, I know that in your book you're sharing these things, but how do you go about – how do you find – how do people find you that are going through these this this part of life? Well, um, part of it is through hospice. You know, as a hospice volunteer, there are people in the community that they know what I do. Um, you would think this would be something that's real common because we have baby boomers. Guess what? We've we've done this. <laughs> we've gotten a little bit thinner and a little bit lighter and in the wrong places. Um, so yeah, part of it is they do know me. A lot of people think what I do is really morbid. You know, I'll get questions like, how can you do that? Cause I interview people also at their end of life and they're like, Oh my God, how can you do that? And I said, are you kidding? This is the best job ever. The stories, the, the, the things, um, right now there are 44 million people who are giving care to someone that they're not being paid to give that care to. So this is a relative, a parent, a friend, a child, a neighbor, you know, someone in there, a volunteer. Of those 44 million, 67% of them will die before the person they're caring for. Wow. Yeah. Because, and I see that a lot. They are, if, if it's the wife, She's up, you know, when he wakes up, she's awake. It's like, what can I do? What do you need? They're, they're doing their normal day stuff. Plus they're worried. They're concerned. They're fearful. They're, they're trying to be everything and they haven't learned how to ask for help. That's an issue with a lot of us, but you know, it's, they expect that it's their role and many times they have their own health issues that they put aside and they miss appointments. And, and you think that that is a really high number. And there are more of us moving into that end of life stage. And you think, okay, how do we do that in a way that it's not painful, that it's not all anxiety and dread? And how can we do that in a way that, that we as caregivers don't be the ones going first? You know, I've, I've heard there's four kinds of people um, in the world. Those that have been a caregiver, um, those who are currently caregivers, those who will be caregivers, and then those who will need caregivers. And and the other thing that's coming up much more, um, and a lot of people don't talk about it, but is suicide. And some people are looking at what's out there and what their options are with the medical world that can keep us alive much longer than our normal life cycle would be or could be or should be. Um, just because they can doesn't mean they should. Um, but we have technology that can do some pretty amazing things and replace a lot of parts and, and then keep us alive on, on different um, pieces of equipment. And people really are starting to evaluate and say, I've seen it with my parents and I vote no. And they're saying, I don't want to do this to my children. I don't want to do this to my family. I don't want to end, spend my final days in a sterile environment where I don't feel at all comfortable. So we're starting to see even people who have the monetary resources of, of being able to provide, you know, that type of care. They're just saying no, because if, if, okay, let's just say it's a husband and wife, and, and we had one in Minneapolis this summer, very wealthy. Um, the wife had Alzheimer's, 
And I think they had five or six children. So it wasn't like they didn't have support. And we don't all have that anymore with our, you know, not kids or less children. Um, but they, they could have brought in caregivers, but it ended up being a, you know, um, homicide, suicide situation where obviously it was a choice. And with everything in life, we do have choices. And, and that's probably my point here is, um, at some point that also becomes a choice of how do we want our end of life to be? And does our family know about it? You know, have, have they been involved in those conversations? Do we, do we have our paperwork in order? You know, our advanced directives. Who do we want to be in charge of our, our health, our finances? Um, I have a daughter-in-law who takes in every stray animal that comes around and she would keep me alive forever just because she could. And it's like, I don't want her in charge of my health. I love her, but <laughs> not that much. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you can be in charge of my finances, but I want somebody else who understands <laughs> it's okay to say no, that, you know, it's her time. It's okay. She's ready to go. So Janet, so, it's like, well, you're referring to like the Dr. Kevorkian thing, right? From years ago. But you said homicide, suicide. So that's like when one of the family members assists that person in passing or uh, how did you mean that? If you have somebody, if you watch somebody go through dementia or Alzheimer's and you've lost them piece by piece by piece by piece by piece to where there is nothing left, it almost feels like the right thing to do to help them. I understand it. I'm just, yeah. just I guess the terminology, because I don't know, is it, are, are we allowed to do that now? Like, is it legal or you have to, you know? Well, in more states, it is becoming legal. Okay. And, you know, that whether it's assisting someone else or having, you know, doctors obviously have taken an oath to keep us alive and they do that very well. Um, but when you look at the quality of life, you know, at some point, you don't want the person you love, the people you love, to suffer. You don't, you know, and you think about what you would want for yourself. There's a certain point. I don't want, I don't want my children bathing me, caring for me, feeding right. me. I, you know, there's at some point I say, it's time. You know, there are cycles in life, and I understand there might even be something a whole lot better waiting for me. <laughs> you know, it, it's okay. We can, I love you, but I'll be waiting for you or, or however that process goes. Right. And, and because we do have free will, why can't we just make those decisions, you know? So, yeah. yeah. And I'm not arguing for or against that. I'm just saying we will be seeing a lot more of that as people look around and they've experienced it with a parent. And we have more knowledge of how to identify it and know what it is and what the treatment plans are available for it. And at some point, if we know that parent well enough and we've had those conversations, we know how to give them the best care for as long as we can in a way that they would want it. And and that's only, you know, I mean, those are all choice issues. Again, it comes back to everything we do is, yeah, what what do we want, you know, what do I want? How do I want that to look? How do I want to feel? Um, because our thoughts and feelings are a big part of it. And, and you said it, Linda, with your sister. When we can celebrate everything that is what it is because of them being in our life. You know, how amazing is that? Yeah. And, you know, so it, it is a choice and it is about saying, okay, what do I want it? to look like, feel like, and what if I don't want it to be all morbid and black? And <laughs> well, A couple of things that keep running through my mind I don't want to forget. First of all, you did really light up when you spoke about how you love doing this work because a lot of people are really afraid to go to that place. But we're so fortunate to have people like you who thrive in that. Like I've met a lot of hospice people. And I'm like, wow, these people are amazing. Like, I, I don't know if I could do that. I could do it for my family, but I don't know if I could do it just as a, as what I do in my life. So thank you for that, Janet. And I, the other part of that is like, if there are more people who are interested in helping this way, like what can people do right now, even just within their own family to get more in a prepared place? 
Now, of course, they can get your book because, you know. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, of, and, and I'm sure there's ways to contact you. Like we can, we'll put that up there in the. Um, on All the that's website. in there. And I, I think part of it, you know, you've talked about law of attraction. I think anyone who understands law of attraction is in a wonderful position to work in this type of, you know, field, if you will. Because this really is about managing our choices and our vibrational energy. When and, and I'm going to go back to dementia because we're seeing so much more of Alzheimer's dementia. If I'm working with a dementia patient and I understand that at some point they've digressed and, you know, as the disease progresses, their age regresses. So, but at some point they become nothing more than this container. And when you come into their space, you bring everything that that you're going to get back from them. You know, if you're walking in there and you're just scared to death of what's going on in their life and you're anxious and you're fearful and you're not knowing what the next step is and you're feeling all that, you're just pouring that right into them. And guess what? They give it back tenfold. You know, all of a sudden they're angry and it's your fault and you're just being attacked in some ways, physically and emotionally. That makes sense. And, and if this is your spouse and, and you walked in the room and you're tired and they just spill the cereal and milk all over the floor and, you know, for the second time in the day or whatever and you're so frustrated, what are you going to give back? It's what you're feeling. So we have to learn how to walk away. To say, okay, you know what, move them to a place of safety, get them sat down, and and walk. Just walk outside, go somewhere else, leave the mess, either have somebody help you clean it up or clean it up later, but not now. Because the more you understand that vibrational energy, the more you understand our thoughts and our feelings create our action and our behaviors. And when we're doing that, we're now doing that for another person. And, and that's scary, but it's also really nice to know because then, you know, I, I can give somebody advice and say, okay, you know what? When this is the way it's going, here's something you can do to help her or him. Um, it's like before you walk in the room, just pause. A couple nice clearing breaths, and what would you like? You know, would you like to remember that love you felt for this person at one time? Would you like to appreciate the fact that for right now, here today, you have somebody that maybe, maybe they can recognize you even though it doesn't look like they are. Maybe they can hear something you're saying. Maybe this is just a moment to be kind to another person. But when you go in the room that way and appreciate something about them, you know, appreciate the fact they're still with you today. Uh, you're going to go in with a different set of vibrational energy, and that's what you're going to get back from them. You're going, if nothing else, that's a way to calm them down. So those are, those are two really good points that you made, not just for dealing with somebody who's who you're giving care to, but for life. I mean, the first one being walking away when your temper is kind of getting out of control, and the second one pre-paving how you want a scene to go, how you want the future uh, stuff to play out. Those are Excellent pieces of, yeah. of life advice. They apply almost every, every situation in life. Yeah. Yeah. When we when we wake up in the morning, we're so used to okay, what did what do we have to do? What did we do yesterday? What was screwed up from wherever? And you know what's coming our way? And we kind of program that, but knowing that our thoughts and our feelings actually can let that day be discovered something new without carrying yesterday into it. It's like, thank you, Lord, for this day. This beautiful, beautiful day. And and just understand, I can open my eyes and see. I may or may not have somebody that I love with me. I may be able to get up out of bed. Not everyone can do that. I may be able to walk into the bathroom. I have a bathroom in my house. There was a time even royalty didn't have that. I have hot water. I have fresh air. I have clean water. I have all of those things before I even get that first hour of my day in. That I just need to say, I can see the light coming up in the morning. It's going to be a great day. I can't wait to discover what is waiting for me today and who I might get to connect with. You know, that's, 
That's beautiful. You know, just like you mentioned light right now, because like what you're doing is the, you know, ultimate light worker <laughs> because yeah. working with, whether it's the person who's passing or the family, just being and bringing that light to the situation, which is contagious, yeah. no matter how is, even if it looks like someone's resistant to the light, the light's going there because you're bringing it. Right. So, so thank you for that, Janet. Um, yeah. And I guess, you know, like, because I imagine that when you're working with people, you're, you're working with you know, people who are survivors and the people who are passing. Um, so so I, I guess my question is, what it, would it be like working with you? Like if people are able, if they know about this and they could see where what you do could really help them, um, what would it be like for a family, like to call in a professional like you to work with them? Number one, it's just a great weight off from their shoulders. It, it's like having somebody grab you by the hand, the whole family, and, and just say, okay, here's a go-to person. You know, sometimes you can't call the doctor. It's 11 o'clock at night, and, okay, well, you're going to get an answering machine or a voice message or something. And, and sometimes we just want to know that it's okay. We're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. And what if we could actually do it in such a way that during this time we could let let some of the past be healed so it can be released, that we can bring closure to a life and celebrate what was beautiful, what was good. You know, we all want to be heard. We all want to know that our life had meaning. We all want to release these regrets. We want to forgive People, we want to be forgiven. Um, we want to express love. We want to know that we are loved. And, and we want to share our stories. We want to know that our life mattered. And I don't care if you're 14 or 40 or 84. Those things are important. And when we don't get them, when we're not seen, when we're not heard, we're dying every day. We're dying in pieces. And, and so it's no different than any other coaching that when you do this and you have somebody who can help lead you through the times when, you know, there might be valleys and know, you know what? It's going to be okay. You're going to get through this. And, and some people, if they don't do the work at this point, they literally get stuck and the rest of their life, they are stuck. I have seen people who families did not get along and I'm talking about married couples, partnership couples, they don't even really like each other. But, oh, my gosh, somebody dies? Oh, they're building monuments. I mean, they are like, oh, their life was just destroyed. This person was everything to them. And you're thinking, did I miss something? <laughs> <laughs> what happened here? And and it is because sometimes we become the victim or the martyr, and it's like everything is horrible now because this person is no longer in our life. doesn't matter that we weren't too thrilled when they were in our life. You know, we get stuck. Janet, I have to say, this is what's really special about you because I know, I know, I've taken courses with you. Like I know what some of the things you know. And, and I also know a lot of other hospice workers who are learning healing modalities. Like that's like a big boost to, even if you're not doing any particular healing modality, just that you're carrying that light, that understanding of energy and that Mm -hmm. ability to kind of bring it, mold it, shape it. Um, have it creep into the littlest cracks of the hardest person because it's just going to, you know, really, it, I'm going to say it again. It's just the ultimate light worker because you're yeah. just going to bring that love into a situation that is so hard that so many people are just afraid to let themselves be there. It's kind of like, you know, putting that resistant, that, that bubble of, I guess, resistance, because I've seen this before. It's like in, they're in denial or, and they're missing out on the opportunity for so much joy that could be there at this end of life. So, well, I mean, that's yeah. every day. That's every part. You know, it comes down to our choices. And do we choose to be happy or do we choose to be miserable? You, you can look at people who they've been in a job and they can't wait to get out of it. And they get out of it and they get this great job and they're so thrilled. Give them six months and guess what? They're miserable again because it wasn't the job. It was what they brought. 
and our thoughts and our feelings and and what we think about ourselves um that that all comes into this it it, it really comes down to our choices every single day and do we choose to show up or do we choose to be the victim and the poor me and and it is a choice you know some days i'm there on the other side and i have to just say okay whoa stop you know you recognize it and it's called Go for a walk. Go pull some weeds out of the garden. <laughs> go do something. Um, just take your mind off from it and come back and say, okay, you know, um, we choose where we go with, with all of this. And, and I think that, that part of it is the stories. If you listen to people talk and how they tell any story, you start to pick up what the next thing is going to be like for them. Because some people will, it will always be somebody else's fault, no matter what happens to them. And other people take ownership and they'll say, and this is what I'm going to do about it, regardless of what the issue is. And and it's no different in death than it is in life. So I, I think part of it is we've been taught that death is morbid, that death is a bad thing, that, you know, for some people, death is actually an answer. It's like, thank God, <laughs> you know, I'm tired of this. Or I'm ready for that next thing knowing it's going to be better. You know, those, those are, you know, we all approach that different, but the stories we tell ourselves are really important too. And, and how we do that is important. Yeah, something Very popped good. in my head and, and I just lost it. <laughs> It'll come back after we hang up. Well, I, while you're trying to remember what it was, I just wanted to interject that. What you're talking about, Jan, just reinforces for me in such a huge way how powerful our minds and our connections to source make us. Because look at all the things you described, all the different ways of thinking and of behaving and of choosing and so forth. And they produce all these consequences that are, that are either good consequences or not so good or something we love, something we don't love, something we're indifferent to. I mean, it, but it just yeah. shows just how powerful we are. So... You know, kind of taking on the responsibility of, first of all, being responsible for the fact that we are these powerful beings, and second of all, being responsible for, you know, how am I going to handle these situations when end of life comes? It, it's it's very important to explore these. So thanks for bringing up these issues. I'm glad well, you're doing that. You know, we had an opportunity this summer when we had a young grandson who chose chose to take his own life. And he did it in a pretty horrible way. And, and obviously no matter who we are, we're not immune from hurting and from, you know, knowing that there's a lot of opportunities that are now off the table. And, and we go through some of the same anguish, if you will. But, but even during that time, I was able to tell his sister, you know, when we were at the hospital and he was still hopefully able to hear, but it's about the living. And, and as she was ready to leave, I said, you know, Katie, a lot of people never get the chance to say goodbye. Mm. You get it. And, and, and I told her that she might want to let him know it's okay that he has her permission to go. And she says, Oh, grandma, I can't, I can't say that. And I said, however you need to say it, if you just need to tell him you love him so much that you're really going to miss him. Um, but if he needs to go, it's okay because you don't want him to hurt. Um, I said, and if you can't say any of those, just feel that love in your heart and send it to his heart. Just that way because he'll know. And so she went back in the room and spent some time with him, and then they left that night. The next day she came, and he was still alive and unresponsive but alive. And she said, Grandma, thank you so much for making me, making me go back in and say those words to Jake. She said, because my heart was just pounding ever since this happened. And she said, when I said it, she said, just like that, it stopped. Mm. And she said, even though I know it's not going to be better, she said, it's not pounding. All that anxiety and all that fear, it, it just like, I know it's going to be okay. Right. And and that's part of what the book is, having those conversations, knowing that there's some healing, some closure. So so the nice thing about his life was he got to become a organ donor and to give that gift of life to other families. Mm -hmm. But the process in which they do that without a lot of detail is, you know, at the end, they did the honor walk with all the nurses and 
they took him to the operating room and only his mom and dad and, and Katie went in to, you know, watch that process. Um, and, and it wasn't the process. It was just when they took the tubes out, you know, that final moment. Right. He had not breathed for four days. It was total 100% ventilator. They went in the operating room. Guess who breathed for over an hour on I his own? I believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And finally, she said, and I don't know if she heard this or how that communicated. She said, he's not going to do this with me in the room. She walked out of the room just like that. Within mm-hmm. seconds, he was mm-hmm. gone. Mm-hmm. And it was, I said, you heard him. Mm-hmm. You know, you heard him. He yeah. sent you a message. He said, Katie, get out of my room one more time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, you know, so even in worst case scenario, when, when you just, you know, everybody's hurting, those little things you can do to hopefully make a difference and to let them know it was a choice. You know, it is a cycle. We, we get, you know, the springtime, we get the fall. It's, it, it comes together. And we get the choice of saying, you know what, I'm going to look for the beauty no matter where I'm at, and I'm going to find it, and I'm going to give up the fight. You know, sometimes um, I, I brought a poem because I, I love this from a friend. It's real short. And Nick asked you, wrote this. You don't have to fight. There's nowhere to go. It is painfully simple. It takes one inch of courage and a little stillness to say, I love everything. And then to understand, you can recognize yourself in the reflection of the other. Then there is peace. And and I love that because it, it says so much of what I do. You know, when you can love and accept and know it's okay, it is Life unfolds exactly as it's intended. You know what I love? As you're reading this or saying, speaking about this in New York on the East Coast, it's 444. (laughs) 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 A beautiful angel number. So I wanted to ask Janet because um, I guess it depends on how receptive people are. But I imagine you're kind of maybe teaching a little bit about the possibility of many lifetimes. So because when people kind of get that, then I think it's easier for them to say, oh, well, let's let go of this one and go to another one, you know. Um, and I'm finding that more before and more. You, before you finish the sentence, I just got to tell you something. You just talked about 444. When you finished talking about 444, I had a clock that was showing the seconds. It was 44444. So you nailed it. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Because oh, because what I'm finding is there are more and more people who are getting it who who when they hear it they're not put off they're like wow tell me more I mean this is possible and really if we go back through history you know it, it's more like I don't want well religion politics that made beings believe that this is it right because you need to fear us because we kill you and then you shouldn't do this bad thing or whatever it is right so. At least that's my opinion, or what I've kind of picked up along the way. Um, it's natural for us to know that we come and go. You know, we, we're here, we're there, we're 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 never gone. Like I can tap into my sister pretty easily. I get messages from her all the time, and really at at her service when I had the medium talking, you couldn't hear you could hear a pin drop in this room. Because everyone wanted to hear what she was talking. These are people who have no clue about this stuff. <laughs> they want to know. Hear. But that's death in general. We don't know. It. We want to know. We want to be comforted. We want to be assured. We want, you know, religion for many people has done that in the past. I think that some of that is changing. Um, but yeah, we want our spiritual side is definitely there. We want to know. We need to know that there's something more. And without knowing exactly what it is, because when somebody gets real specific and they start saying, well, this, this, and this, and then it's like, well, how do you know that? You know, so sometimes it's just that what we don't know is what becomes our biggest nemesis sometimes. Yeah. And, and I think that also what helps is that, I mean, energetically, according to many 
people who work in this area and who tap into spirit and who channel all this bigger knowledge, um, the veils are thinning. I think that I think that's contributing to people opening their awareness to wanting to know, like, oh, maybe it doesn't just end here, or or why you know why did why do I feel like I know where to go and in this country I've never gone to before? Like, why do I know some things that I don't know how I know? Um, people are opening up more and more to wonder, well, oh, well, so maybe I have been somewhere else before and it isn't only just here in this body right now and that I am bigger than all, you know, like, it's great because I think that that's why it's a little bit easier. I'd say it's easier for people like us, all of us, to talk about these things um, because, it's easier for people to absorb it now. And, and most people, I think, really do want to engage in the conversation. So this is an invitation to all your listeners. Ask the question. You know, look around you. Let the people around you know how, your thoughts. And and do you have things in order? And and what does that look like? What does that feel like? You know, what when I talked about I interview a lot of hospice patients, you know, and they're literally at that point. They, the first, I don't know how many patients I interviewed died within two to three days of when I interviewed them. I came home and I said, I think I'm jinxing them. This is, <laughs> I don't know. Something doesn't seem right. And I then see. I realized it was healing. It was closure. They'd said goodbye. They told their stories. They did what they needed to do. But one of the questions I almost always ask is, are you afraid? Out of all the people I've interviewed, I only had one person say, yeah, I am. Everyone else said no. I mean, it was no or emphatically no or not at all or, you know, they've come to terms with it. So even the one who said she was afraid, I acknowledged that. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Were you afraid to be born? (laughs) And when you think about that, in the cycles of life, when you think about that, were we afraid to be born? Obviously, if we did, we did it anyway. Right. You know, we act as if we had no choice in that, and yet here we are. And you think, okay, what if we did have the choice? What if we chose that? I can tell you, I've watched people be born, and I've watched people die. And I vote it looks a whole lot easier on the dying side. <laughs> you know, a little less trauma on the body. <laughs> but... But yeah, it's a cycle. And, and I think getting comfortable with that does not mean that we want to die, that we want to lose the people in our life because it hurts when they leave. It, it leaves a void. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that does not happen. But if we've done our work ahead of time, if we've celebrated them, we can be thankful for the stories and the memories and the fact that they were in our life. And, and that makes it a little bit easier. When you talked about how people can be afraid about what uh, is there another side? Is there is is this all there is, or is there more, and so on and so forth? That actually became part of the theme with my father-in-law, who passed three months after my wife and I got married twenty years ago. Twenty years ago, yesterday, actually, and uh, the anniversary. Thank you. Yes, and well, yesterday was a double anniversary because not only was it my wife's and I twentieth, but it was the seventh anniversary of the podcast. So we have two anniversaries in one. <laughs> but um, you know, when he when he passed, which was in December twenty nineteen, I'm sorry, nineteen ninety nine, he um, one one of the first things that my wife experienced. Of course, my wife experienced a tremendous amount of grief around it. Um, but one of the things that she expressed to me about what she was feeling is her concern that he was not a believer in any kind of an afterlife. And and she was so worried that he was not going to be able to handle what, what, what came on the other side. And I reminded her, well, remember what we believe, because we're you know, very much believers in, in the continuity of spirit, continuity of source energy. I said, what would it be like from our perspective if we went there? We, I mean, we'd be basically walking into a celebration, wouldn't we? And she said, oh, yeah, I forgot that. The point being, she had forgotten what she knew. Yeah. And it's very easy to do that when we're yeah. dealing with these situations head on. An interesting side note to this, too. Her. Well, and we've also been taught to fear. Oh, yes. You know, there's there's that. <laughs> I had a three-year-old. Regularly. <laughs> yeah. I had a three-year-old granddaughter. And I see a lot of people in their final day, days, 
and they'll talk about their mother coming to visit them or someone mm-hmm. that's been dead for years, decades. Mm-hmm. Anyway, my three-year-old granddaughter was walking with her other grandmother, and she said, Grandma Rose, when I die, your mom and two angels are going to come get me. Now, three years old, there's nothing that anyone's taught her. Mm. But it was, she just said that so matter-of-factly, like she knew it. And it's like, what do we know that we have forgotten? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what are we born knowing that we forget because during this time we don't need to know that? But I just thought it was interesting because I hear it on the other end all the time, and I never, it was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Where'd that come from? Absolutely, yeah. By the way, the the side story to um, my father-in-law's passing is um, my wife's mother had died when she was very young. She had a stepmother, and her stepmother had two children, so she had a stepbrother and a stepsister. And uh, a few years later, her stepbrother, who was raised as a Catholic, decided to train also as a Jewish rabbi and actually got confirmed as a Jewish rabbi. He also performed the rites at um, the internment. And a few years later, he he had never expressed to me any kind of psychic tendency, but he got a psychic experience. And the psychic experience he had was a message from my wife's father in the other life. And the message was, it's all true, which we thought was a really interesting message from a man who didn't believe in any afterlife. Yeah. Well, I think... Again, we're taught many times what to believe or not to believe, mm-hmm. you know, and, and when you leave this world, you're home. You're, I mean, Linda and I've heard it many times, you know, the work we do here is the work that takes us home. It's mm-hmm. our homework. Mm-hmm. And and I think life is like that. You, you wake up and you realize you never left. This is exactly, everything was as intended. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes, we see good, we see evil. We get so worked up about things that in any given day might not matter one bit. And you think, okay, is this, is this the emotion I want to be carrying every day? I, I brought something, and this is a gift for you and for your readers, or your listeners. Um, and I'm, it, it's actually called The First Time. And so I would invite anyone listening to you to just close their eyes and I'm going to read this. It's called, imagine the first time you opened your eyes and you saw a human face. Imagine the first time you touched your hands and felt the softness. Imagine the first time you heard the sound of your own name. Imagine the first time you looked at a flower and smelled the fragrance. Imagine the first time you walked on your own and didn't fall down. Imagine the first time you had a delicious bath, warm and sudsy. Imagine your first drink of water, your first ray of sunshine, your first time in a park. Your first look at the moon. Now take it all in again as if today is your last day. Mm. An exercise in appreciation. Good yeah. 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 That feel good. Mm-hmm. That feels good. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I love, I, love the, I love the fact, too, that as you read that, all the images came very easily to me, which is, as Linda knows, that's a big deal because I am usually very, it, it's a challenge for me to bring images to my mind, and all of them came easily. So that was great. Uh, <laughs> just keep evolving and evolving, Walt. You never know how it's going to grow. Expanding <laughs> and expanding. Um, so, Janet, what things are you working on these days that you, you know, that you, that are, what are you doing these days? What are you excited about? Um, sewing, embroidering, uh, Really just loving life, trying to be more aware of, of exactly what that said with the first time, of appreciating the here and now. Um, I am becoming certified as an end of life doula and that will be doing a little more of this just in a different sense or a little more of the same. Um, don't ask me why. I just seem to find this a comfortable place as if 
it's my mother or my grandmother or somebody I know that needs, there just seems to be a need that's there. I certainly didn't start out wanting to do this. And yet with everything that we've done with training, whether it's the Reiki or the energy or, or any of this, the light body work, um, it keeps coming back to a direction I'm being pulled. And right. I just let it lead me. And I love that because that's how, I mean, that's how it's always been for me too. And that's how it is for everybody, whether they're aware of it or not. It's like you have, there is a plan. We have a pre-birth planning and, you know, that's why I like to, to, when things are going what I consider to be wrong or bad, I just like, I just try to think, well, this is exactly how it's supposed to be. What if this was perfect and this was exactly what I had planned for? Because I don't know yet. The, the magic and the wonder, because the wonder that is about to come to me, because like you said, you don't even know why. You just were like drawn to do something. So, and the thing of this being September. Yeah. Oh, September yeah. 11th, all of those people that, you know, someone had an accident on their way to work or they needed to stop for gas or they got a call or they overslept or all those things that caused them not to be in right. the World Trade Centers. You know, and you think, yeah, so when it doesn't happen, what if that's a gift? What if there's a good reason for that not happening the way we thought it should? And what about even the fact that it did happen and all those brave souls who signed up for that role in this life, that path? Because really right after it, everybody came together. It's like everybody came into this energy of love. Now, we weren't able to sustain that. But we had that. And that's what a lot of these things do. Like these- it, It's there. Um, but think about it even one step further. What if God in his infinite planning, her infinite planning, however that is, said, okay, I need a couple people. I need you to do something horrific in your life. I need you to do something that's going to cause everyone to hate you. Would I have stepped up and volunteered for that life choice? I don't think so. And yet, because of that, and I'm not going to say that that was a desired thing, but but what if that evil has a purpose in our life? Absolutely. That's what I'm getting at. And and those next opportunities for somebody to hold that soul and to heal it and to allow it to become neutralized and, and released back into the universe, you know, Sometimes we're called to do things that we would question. And that's where a lot of our guilt comes from. It's like, you know what? Get over it. It, it, it happened, you know, move on. It's okay. It, we don't always know the results of what we do and, you know, what we say. Hopefully, you know, we reach the right people. And, and I did have an intention for this call and I put it out there that, that the space between us was blessed. And that your listeners um, would hear the message that they needed to hear and it would fit into their life in a way that worked for them. So I thank you for our time together. I, I think you succeeded. Once again. Oh, yeah. you know, one thing I wanted to add, when we were doing the visual and you were doing that, like the energy that was coming to me mostly throughout all of those was wonder. That's that childlike wonder. I mean, yeah. We can just live our life through that energy. Wow, the miracles and the blessings would be unstoppable. Yeah. But look, I'm going to hold up Janet's book again. I'm sorry, and I love Janet's you. Goodbye. Tell us how I know you can go to Amazon, um, or maybe Janet, maybe you can give us your website or how people can contact you. Either way, um, Amazon, Kindle, or the website is drjanetb.com. Dr. Janet. I didn't make anybody spell out the word bishki. <laughs> very kind, very kind. <laughs> uh, this has been fun. Jan, thank, thank you so much for joining us. It's been wonderful to hear uh, your perspective and, and uh, bring us the idea that you know, dealing with end of life can actually be a pretty joyous thing. That, that's a that's perspective I think a lot of people needed to hear. So I think you achieved your goal. You stated what your goal was. I think you got there. So yeah. congratulations and thanks for doing it. We appreciate it. Thank you both. I appreciate it. Just want to remind, just want to remind listeners too. Uh, make sure that if you're not yet subscribing to the podcast, please become a subscriber. Go to LOAToday.net. 
Um, also, check us out on YouTube where you can watch us. Uh, you can live stream watch us, actually, because we record to YouTube while we're recording the podcast. You can actually see our faces. You could actually see how much glowing is coming out of Jan's face if you play back the, uh, the playback of this video. Um, but feel free to subscribe there as well and click the little bell to be notified every single time that we post something on YouTube. But either way, be sure you become a subscriber because every single episode is well worth your time. So thank you very much. Dr. Jan Vieschke, for your, your time and your, your insights and, and your wisdom. We really appreciate it so much. Thank you. I am a subscriber. She's a subscriber, too. So there it is, folks, the endorsement we were looking for. <laughs> and Linda, right. as, as usual, thank you for bringing us another wonderful guest. I look forward to talking to you again next week. Okay. And we will see you, you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you.